interviews and insights with the biggest names in Canadian baseball. This is the CBN Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the Canadian Baseball Network podcast. If you've been following the Canadian Baseball Network or myself on Twitter, you'll know that we have a very special guest today. He's a two-time manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, managed the team during those epic playoff runs in 2015 and 2016. Our guest today is John Gibbons. You know, Matt, we've had some cool guests on here, right? And some really cool people in Canadian baseball. John Gibbons is a real highlight today. Uh, Really looking forward to this one. This is going to be really exciting, I think. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to touch on a, you know, his career in Toronto. Obviously, the level of excellence with Jose Batista this past weekend, um, the 2015-2016 playoff run, a little bit what he's up to with this podcast and the new book. So let's get to it. All right, we are thrilled to welcome two-time Blue Jays manager John Gibbons to the Canadian Baseball Network podcast. John, how's it going? Doing good, you know, just back back down in Texas. Spent uh, five days up in Toronto, you know, for Batista's uh, ceremony. Loved it. It brought back some great memories, and they did a tremendous job putting that thing on. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, that's kind of where I wanted to go first. I know it's been talked about a lot, but you obviously were on the field for that ceremony. I kind of want to talk a little bit about the emotion of it. Obviously, you saw Jose get emotional. I had a friend whose father was there who said he was in tears. What kind of emotions did that kind of spur up for you, you know, remembering his career and your your time with him? Well, well, first of all, you know, I had been back there. Uh, well, I've been back there one, one other time since 2018, right, since I, you know, parted ways with him. Fire, quit, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> So, so, and you know, Toronto became such a big part of my home, you know, um, it, I was there for probably about 15 years, 10 as a manager, five as a, as a coach. So I spent a lot of my life there. And then, uh, you know, we finally, after some, some tough years, we finally got to the top or got, we became relevant again. So now the emotion of that and the good feeling of that, uh, took over, right. Then we, then, then, then it went the other direction. And then I was, I was out, right. My guys left, you know, um, Anthopolis and beast and those guys. And so there was a lot of emotion there to begin with, but I, I, I fell in love with that place. And then, uh, so the first time to go back and then of course, to celebrate one of the, you know, the all-time greats and a guy that I spent many years with Jose Batista, you know, just, it brought back a lot of good feelings, you know, and then, you know, I got an incredible reception that, I, you know, more than I expected or, or uh, deserved. And, uh, you know, so as when I was walking out there to, to, to my chair, I thought, you know, I got a little, got a little choked up, you know, and, uh, but it was, a, uh, it brought back a lot of great memories and chance to see some of the guys, other guys I coached along with Jose and, and uh, you know, it's like, it was like, basically like a reunion, you know, it was pretty cool. So what's, you know, tell us something about Jose that maybe the average fan watching on TV might not know. What kind of person he is behind the scenes in the clubhouse, that sort of thing? You know, he's really got a big heart. He's he, he's a sensitive guy. You probably wouldn't know that, either, you know, because he's, he's uh, you know, he's um, he's a complicated dude, right? He uh, emotional, um, stubborn. You know he's got he's got he's got his thoughts and beliefs and he sticks by him and he defends him and in, in, uh, he's he's very very intelligent. Um, you know he's a uh, heck. I'm, he, he'd be he'd be a good politician someday, and I don't I don't mean that I don't mean that in a negative way, you know. But because he, he's I mean he's hey if he believes it he's going to get his point across, you know. Um, 
uh, and he's he's great in the community. He's, he he does a lot of charity st- type stuff that you know goes on. You know, people don't notice that, right? Or they don't hear about it. Put it that way, because you know he does he doesn't advertise it. Uh, he's really the complete dude, right? Like I said, he's complicated because. You know, he can rub people the wrong way on the outside. You know, if he's with your team, it's a little bit different, right? But, uh, and he's an emotional, he's, uh, uh, you know, the umpires all hated him, but he was right most of the time. So, yeah, so that's what I mean by complicated. Uh, but he's he's a special guy. And he's, you know, in the, as far as baseball fans, uh, they care about, you know what, he was a tremendous player. And that's, that's what they worry about. Of course. Yeah. So you mentioned the Eurovation that you got. Um you know, you arrived as manager the first time, I believe, in 20, 2014 or 2004. Sorry, not 2014, 2004. Right. Um, how long did it take you to realize that coming to Toronto is a different animal, you know, representing essentially all of Canada? Well, you know what? Because I, I got I went there in 2002 as a coach under J.P. Richard. He had taken over as a general manager and he was an old roommate of mine. We, we played professional ball together with the Met system. And the. Uh, you know, I know Canada a little bit when I was I was a young kid. You know, I played my first Little League game up there. My dad was in the U.S. military, Air Force, and they had a base up in Goose Bay, Labrador. And then, uh, uh, so that that was my exposure to it. You know, I mean, I was young, but hey, you know, I'd been there, done that. I guess you could say. You know, and we met some people on the line. My 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 parents had some friends that they had met that they even kept in touch with. So you know, I was well. I I knew what kind of people were up there. Put it that way. But it's still it's it's still a, a, a foreign country if you're living down in the U.S. Like and we're connected, but you know you know what I mean. Um, but when I got there, you know it was like you know the more I'm around, you know people, it's like, gosh, I can't say they're all a lot like um, most Americans. I could say most Texans. Put it that way. That's a compliment to both sides, right? Thank so, you for so, clarifying yeah. that. <laughs> but you know what? Hey, they uh, you know Canadians are hardworking people. They're honest, right? They, uh, uh, they like their beer. That's, that's for sure. But they're just good. They're just good quality people. The majority of them. Yeah. We got idiots everywhere, but you know, there's that's, that's, that that's how I would describe Canadians, you know, and if you give them a good effort and you know what, you, you know, they'll, they'll love you. Right. Is that, is that something that the players no, too. Is that like, is that something that's you know not necessarily discussed, but something that's felt in the clubhouse that this is you know you're not just playing for a city or even a state, you're playing for an entire country. Oh yeah, and and you know what I had to, uh, you know I have never managed a player that in or no one that when he left there because there's some guys that would they came that would you know when they go to Toronto think well it's a foreign country, you know and the big thing is customs right yeah, that's not really that big a deal. But you know, in the, the you know, you get double tax, whatever. I don't know, whatever, whatever. I have never come across one who, when their playing day was days were over there, did not love it, did not fall in love with the place. And I mean, it's amazing because you know, some people at first they go, well, you know, but you know that that everybody loves it, and even the guys you know that I, they, we we I talked with like with Smokey and and uh, Devin Travis and Ryan Goins the other day. It was, and everyone have missed this place, you know, because you're treated so well to begin with. You know, it's a, it's a, a Toronto and all the Canada is a safe place. You're not used to that in the states, right? And uh, and, and, and 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 people care, you know. It's it's and it's uh it's it's legit. So everybody loves that place up there, and, and I understand why. But you know, but for the longest time, you know, as far as no 
knowing you, you asked about how Canada caught fire, right? Not just Toronto, but you know, we were, we were irrelevant, right. Until 2015, but everybody always told me, said, they said, listen, if the team's any good and you're in it, you know, the end of August, September, and you're in the pennant race, watch what happens. Right. And said, okay, but all right, whatever. Right. But we were never in it, you know, and then I got whacked my first time, first go round, and then eventually came back. And even that didn't start off that good. Right. Yeah. You know, I, always, I, I kind of think back on it, you know, just from my perspective, there's a couple moments in franchise history um, that, kind of define the organization obviously the world series in 92 93 but i really think those 2015 2016 seasons did that for a new generation of baseball players so how going back to that 2015 2016 season given that we just passed the trade deadline here obviously alex anthopoulos goes out and gets troy to david price uh, what does that do for a clubhouse that's you guys i think we were 52 and 51 at that time uh, but obviously getting that, those reinforcements, what does that do for the players in the clubhouse? Oh, it's, it's huge. Right. Especially the, to the extent he went, right. You know, bringing, I mean, it wasn't just one or two guys, man. We brought in a handful that, that were impact guys, but I'll give you the perfect example. The year before, you know, we were almost in the, had the identical record and we, we were a game or two, maybe out of the wild card. We were playing down in Houston at the trade deadline. I remember it well, we didn't do anything. You know, Alex had no money left. Right. You know, because, you know, the one of the big complaints up there was, you know, Rogers would never give him any money. You know, I, I think everybody cried. Every baseball operation, you know, cries that wherever they go. Right. But that that was that was kind of the fact right there. He he had maxed out on what he was allowed to use. Right. Because, you know, if the t until, until teams start winning, you know, you know, I, I don't blame owners for it. they can be a little bit conservative with that money. Why? They just don't want to throw it away. Right. So anyway, so we, we didn't make one move. I don't think it was in um so then Batista, oh, oh, Jose always shows up. And Casey Jansen, our closer, did interviews down there in Houston. And we're basically complaining about we didn't do a thing, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we were, you know, a game or two, whatever it was out of the wild card. Okay. Nothing. Alex couldn't do anything. He had no money, right? And he really couldn't pull off a trade that was, you know, that would have done much for us. Okay. So so going into the 15th season, of course, we go out and get Donaldson and then uh, Russell Martin. But we were the best offensive team in the in the uh, league, and we could pit, we, were, we were solid pitching, but we were terrible defensively. You know, we we raised at shortstop, had lost his range. You know, we were playing Calabello and Danny Valencia in left field, and they're infielders, and you know, balls were dropping everywhere. So it just shows you if you're going to win anything, you got to play some defense. So anyway, so he what he did is he saved like a, I don't know a million, maybe two million, million and a half, whatever. It sounds like it's no money, right? Uh, and it kept in his back pocket for this for that year for the trade deadline, and so we got to the okay. Here, here it is. Now that, that that's what allowed him to get David Price. I think Dave had on I don't know whatever he had left on his contract prorated the final couple of months from Detroit. That's what that money covered. And then Tulowitzki and and Jose Reyes were basically a wash in their contracts. And then of course, you know, there's a couple other guys that weren't you know weren't weren't a big deal as far as that that the money end of it. So that's how it all happened. Otherwise, if he's got no money left, you know, price probably doesn't show up. So the, in the and then there's a there was a, a negative feeling in fourteen. We didn't do anything. Now now there's a wow. You could just feel it, right? And then it was like a light switch. It wasn't like everybody's got to get to know each other, and then hopefully we play good. It was like bam, right? I think I remember Price making that his first start against. I think it was against the Twins, some day game, and you know he he put on a show, and then. Uh, 
And Tulowitzki was the key guy to me, you know, we, we had him on the field because his defense, he cleaned up our defense so much and it made all the difference in the world. And um, so that, yes, to answer your question, if you, if you don't, if you don't make any moves, yeah, they question it whether, you know, and, and you can't always, you can't all players and coaches always think, you know what, you can get whatever you want, you know, just go out and get it right. It doesn't work that way, obviously. Right. But we, we think it does, but it's like, wow, okay, now, it, all right, all right, boys in the clubhouse, let's go. We did our part. Now it's there, you know, keep, hey, put your money where your mouth is in 14, you know, zip it, let's go. And then, uh, but we did, we caught fire and just, but just cleaning up that defense and adding an, a, a, a top-notch pitcher, it really just, we, we exploded. That's interesting insight because if you guys think that you can go out and do those sort of things, if fans think like it should be like a video game, you know, you just trade for, I want that guy, let's go trade for him. But obviously. Well, I will tell you this, you know, I mean, uh, the, the, the ownership up there, you know, with the wealthiest owners in baseball. So there's money somewhere, man, but you know, <laughs> but they got, they got shareholders. They got to <laughs> now maybe the guy in New York with the Mets code, he wouldn't care, but you know. How much of this current team do you watch? Quite a bit, quite a so bit. Yeah. My next question is is actually about Tulowitzki because when he was traded from Colorado to Toronto, there are some reports out there that he didn't necessarily want to leave leave Colorado. It's not it wasn't anything against Toronto, but it was you know the way the whole thing was handled, and you kind of saw you know Whit Merrifield last year struggle a little bit, you know, making the transition to a new team. You're seeing that with Paul DeYoung a little bit. Uh, how did how as a manager do you handle those situations and try to integrate those guys as quickly as possible, especially when you're in a playoff race? Well, yeah, you know what. You'll see it quite a bit. Not when guys get traded, especially mid-season, but it, it, whether it's, it may be in the off-season, where guys sign big free agent contracts, sometimes they have added pressure they put on themselves to justify it, right? Or, or you know, with the the young right now is it's going to a new place in the middle of the season. You know, he you know the shortstop goes down. He wants to he's, try, he's trying, probably trying a little bit too hard. That's kind of what happens. So it's usually the second, third years, the guys take off, you know, they become who they, they normally are, you know, but like you said, in Tulewitzki's case, I think what happened with uh, Troy was they had told him, Hey, if we we're going to do anything, we'll keep you abreast of what we're doing, let you sign off on all. And then they didn't do it. That's what, that's what chapped him. Right. That's my understanding of it. And I, under, I understand it, but you know, he grew to love that place too, you know? And uh, you know, as a matter of fact, I think, I think he, during the offseason, uh, Bo Bichette spent some time with him. You know, of course, Bo's dad played with him in Colorado because there's not a better fundamentally sound shortstop than Troy Tulowitzki was. And um, I think that's helped, helped Bo a little bit this year. So he was actually, you know, Troy was, Tulowitzki was a coach at the University University of Texas. Did you ever get a chance to meet up with them and, you know, kind of reminisce yeah. on the 2015, 2016 seasons? Yeah, you know what? Because uh, a couple of years ago, I was working for the Atlanta Braves kind of scouting and you know, some amateur scouting and some other things. So I went up there to watch a couple of players and, and I got to go down the field there and, and uh, see him met, met, met his other coaches, but yeah, he was, uh, he was volunteering up there. He wasn't getting paid a dime. He bought a house in, in Austin, but then something happened where, because he didn't have his degree, I don't think he, you know, they, they, they said, well, you can't, can't do that job. So he, he left for a year last year, but they brought him back to do something. Uh, but I, but anyway, yeah. To answer your question, yeah, we went. It's good to see old Troy. You know, he uh, he did wonders for that team up there. You know, he he'd be a fantastic manager, head coach, anything. Because you know what, he he's he's in tune with the game. You know, he was a leader on the field, talking baseball, and it and it makes sense. You know, 
you know, some guys will give you this, you know, and it's like, really? Okay. <laughs> but Troy, you know, Troy, he's a, he would be tremendous if he, if that's what he wanted to do. I got one for you here, John. You mentioned uh, you were with the Braves uh, briefly scouting. In 2021, you were Bob Elliott reported that you actually were awarded a World Series ring uh, because you were scouting uh, with the Braves and you actually scouted the Astros leading up to the World Series where they met. Tell us a little bit kind of uh, about that experience and just how much that World Series ring obviously meant to you. Well, you know, well, I didn't do a whole heck of a lot to earn it, I tell you that. But it was... <laughs> no, you know what? Well, Alex, you know what normally happens with, man- with managers and their old general managers and you know, they usually, you know, if they've been doing it for any length of time, they, they usually bring them on and they put the title on them, special assignment, right? And they'll send them out to do whatever. It might be go look at this high school kid or that we may draft or go look at the guys in our minor leagues or, or go to a big league game and look at this guy because we may try to trade for him. So so they brought me on my, my first year. You know, I was out scouting uh, colleges and stuff like that. They COVID hit, right? So it shut everything down. So I was at it probably about a month. And that was it. And then, of the, the course, in the uh, the following years, you know, I mean, the following year, things kind of it took a while to get things ramped up. So, but the, but the highlight of the year was, I, I did I scouted the Astros and the uh, Red Sox in that series before the World Series, just in case you know Atlanta did get there, you know, uh, and at the time of my life with John Sherholtz Jr., you know, his dad's the, the was the architect of all those great Atlanta Braves team. He's in the Hall of Fame. A sharp kid too, and and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that, you know. Uh, uh, and then you know, of course, they went on to win it. You know, they caught fire and and, and what have you. And then, then what happened is is uh, I was I was going back and I was doing the same thing the following year. But then you know I had a book that came out, and then uh, the guys that put the book together and all that, so, you know, thought thought the brilliant idea like you guys, why don't you do a podcast, right? So anyway, so I think, yeah, why don't I try that? Because there really, I really wasn't a whole lot I was doing, you know, with scouting and things like that. It was kind of a, uh, you know, I wanted to do more, right? So I, t- I told Alex, you know, that I was going to do a podcast. And the fact that I'm talking about baseball and other organizations, other players like that, we felt it was best I, you know, moved on. So I resigned. So I'm no, it wasn't, you know, that that came to an end last September or whatever. So um so now here I'm in the podcast business like you guys and, and, uh, and loving every minute of it. But, uh, you know, Alex has been, uh, is a good friend. He, you know, he, he, well, he gave me my second chance to him and ball, ball beast. And that doesn't happen too often. You know, if you win a championship, like when Cito, my, when I got fired the first time, Cito Gaston replaced me. Right. So he, you know, and they won two world series. Right. So when I go back, if you don't have some hardware, you know, people are going, what are you doing? You know, that? and I even, I even told Alex, I said, dude, I said, Hey, you're crazy, man. What are you, you're going to, you're trying to get yourself fired. I said, this isn't going to go over very well. He said, let me worry about that. And I said, not only that, Beeston's not going to go for it. He goes, let me handle that. And sure enough, Beeston signed off on it. And that's how, that's how it all happened. But, uh, boy, I'm glad it did. It, it's funny. You mentioned the podcast in the book, uh, Gibby, uh, tales of a baseball lifer, I believe yeah, is the name yeah. of it. Uh, the Gibby show is your podcast. So that, this was actually a question from that someone sent me on Twitter, um, writing a book and doing a podcast often opens up a little bit of vulnerability. Um, social media, obviously, uh, is quite the thing with, with, <laughs> with critics and people praising you. So what kind of made you want to get into that? And and how, and I guess a side question to that is, how do players manage the world of social media that, and, and fans that can be super intense at times? 
Well, to be honest with you, I didn't want to get into it. That was never my intent. Even the book, you know, the, my last day there in 18, there's three or four reporters that I've become all the, all the reporters around. I became really good friends with them. We didn't always agree. They didn't like, not like they took care of me or anything, but we, you know, had a mutual respect and just good people. Right. And three or four of them said to me, and I was leaving that day, if you ever write a book, I want to write it. And I'm going, I'm going okay, yeah, whatever. Never even crossed my mind. So anyway, a couple of years went by and then COVID hit. And this old friend of mine who had written a book and they, he used ECW press up there in Toronto, kind of, kind of put it together. And then uh, the guy that wrote his book, he ended up right, right mine. So, but that was never the intention, but it was kind of one of those things. Well, there's not much going on here. Let's give it a try. Right. But okay. Then they said, okay, well, if you're going to, that's book's going to come out. You need to be on social media. I go, Oh, oh gosh, it's almost 60 years old. Come on. You really? So that's kind of how all that started. It wasn't like, gosh, I gotta get, I gotta get out there in the world, man, be seen, you know, cause I, I was, I was happy disappeared, you know? And, and so I had my kids kind of had to show me us, you know, how do you, this, how you function in this world. So I throw stuff out there every now and then. it's almost, it's funny. It's almost the stupider, the better, you know, people like it more when you see the stupider, right? It's a so, weird place out there. So uh, Twitter is a wild, there's the wild west of the world, I think. Oh yeah. So anyway, the same guys in the Cape, so let's do that podcast, right? It's, of course, then you need social media to advertise it and all that. And the, people have been pretty good to me. I don't necessarily get in and read all that. Occasionally you'll, you'll get some jerk, man. I'll just, you know, block him or cut him off, you know, and then, so. <laughs> you heard it here first john gibbons blocking people on twitter <laughs> uh, but oh but but the other part of your question you know you asked about the players uh oh that's it's it this could be a nightmare especially i imagine this day and age you know but when when i was when i was finishing up there and uh you know that was always the thing the front office people in the front office you know we, we t- tell me you know you gotta be you gotta be careful what have you be because this is going to turn into you know in uh I don't know if anybody on our team specifically had any problems with it, but the, uh, you know, you can see guys around the league. Next thing you know, they're 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 deleting it, you know. And it's, but you know what? It's like, oh god, there's stuff that happened ten years before, and now they're, they're still marked people, you know. Uh, but yeah, it can be dangerous, you know. It's it, that's kind of like you said, that's the world we live in, and it, it, you know, this the so-called makes your brand right. And we're brand- <laughs> But you do, you have to, you have to be careful because, you know, and uh, that's why I, I kind of limit, try to limit what I do. And um, yeah, now that I'm older, I could blame it on, uh, you know, I could be tell them I'm, I'm just, I'm like Joe Biden, man. I don't remember what I said. So you have a built in <laughs> excuse now. Which, exactly. <laughs> so I want to jump back to that playoff run a little bit. And obviously the bat flips, what everyone talks about is what Jose is known for the mural that's going up in Toronto. But I want to talk about something that happened before that. So, it was the seventh inning, Aaron Sanchez on the mound, Russell Martin behind the plate, Shinshu Chu in the box. Martin throws the ball off of Chu's bat. Rough right. Nittle comes in and scores, takes the lead. What were you thinking when that happened? I remember me, I followed baseball my entire I had no idea what was going on. What what were you thinking when that initially happened? Exactly the same thing you were. I don't know what the heck's going on. Well, you know, at first, you know, I'll be honest, I can never remember seeing that happen. You know, and Dale Scott, the home plate umpire, threw his hands up dead ball, right? So that's naturally what I thought, right? I thought it was a dead ball. But gosh, it like my mind's going, you know, it, it wasn't even like, a, oh, 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 we're in trouble. He's like, that's a dead ball because, and so so I went out there and uh, the umpires, I don't think really knew it because, I mean, I, it's rare. I mean, you know, you, don't, you just don't see that happen, right? And of course, uh, Bannister's on the other side, like he's Joe, Joe, Rube, Joe Rulebook, you know, yeah. 
you know. So then they ended up figuring it out. They 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 end up getting it right, obviously. And the but that place was going nuts, man. You know, if they if the, if that uh, if we don't come back and win that game, nobody nobody might have got out of that stadium alive, you know. <laughs> so what was the bat flip like? You know, in the dugout specifically, obviously, people watching at home, the stadium looked like it was going to come down. In the dugout, what was that like when, as soon as you made contact with that ball, you know, take me into the dugout? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, hey, that that inning setup, that just shows you, you know, the you always hear about how loud that place is, especially when the roof's closed. The place shakes, man. There's nothing like it. And you tell you know, the Texas Rangers, they were a lot like us. You know, they had a really ball club, powerhouses in, in the – and their whole infield was almost gold glove winners, you know. But the pressure of that moment, you know, they're making errors here and the ball, dropping balls, throwing balls away. It's like, you know, there's some the baseball gods and the Torontonians and the Canadians all across that country. They were breathing down their neck, right? So I think – but things just lined up. And then um, even the ball like Donaldson hit before Batista, you know, O'Dor's going back and he, like, gets his feet crossed up. And normally he makes that play and – so anyway, but then it was almost like it had, this is the way it was supposed to be. Batista, the face of the franchise, he'd been there during the lean times. He's kind of, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of, the, in a lot of ways, he's the vil- he's one of the villains in the league outside of Canada, right? And uh, and sure enough, uh, it, it couldn't have happened to a more perfect guy. I, you know, I told, I tell people all the time, if uh, any other guy had hit that home run on th- that team or years past, and flip the bat. It, it just wouldn't have had the magnitude that I don't think that, that Hosey had. You know, it's just something about it was supposed to be that guy. Yeah, right? it was just so authentic at the time. You know, it's, yeah, you could tell it was not planned in that moment, and it was just that's what kind of made it so amazing. I think for fans. Yeah, but you know, I was sitting in that dugout, right? I I, I saw him hit it, right? And of course, I think I had my uh, some information. I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure. You know, you as a manager, you're sitting there tracking the next inning, the next inning, and you're trying to map out how you know you're going to run the game if if things fall in place, right? So you know, I see the see the hit. Now I'm I'm watching the ball. I think like like most people, right? So I didn't even see the bat flip. You know, I'm just going go get out, get out. And then of course, you know, you know, it's like, and then. uh uh, gosh, that place just erupted, you know. And then, uh, I mean, it, it's you know, to be fair, it's it's so hard to just really describe it, the feeling, you know. Because I will tell you this, because you know th- that was our, you know, my first major league playoff uh, experience, right? First round that I've been ever been in. And so things are happening fast, man. You just feel the pressure, and that's 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 the you know I'm pretty I'm pretty good at pushing that off the side but you know this is a winner take all game you know so it's and it's you know seventh inning it's like we ain't got a whole lot of time here boys you know or and you know we dropped the first two at home everybody's like wow oh wow you know but I was playing for the 86 Mets when they lost the first two games at home against the Red Sox and went on to win that so I, I kind of knew that but we also you know what these guys never these guys when we were down uh two games went down to Texas You'd have never known it, man. There was just something different about these these this group of guys. So anyway, so everything's just kind of everything's just kind of in a tunnel, right? You know, you, you you hear all that noise, but it's more like a roar, and you feel, but you feel it shake. And you know, I can only speak for what I was going through. And in uh, all right, how are we going to get through the rest of this game? All right, boys, we we just took the lead, but we got you know we still got we got some time left here too. Now we got to close this thing out. And of course, yeah. And then Asuna comes in and does it, but. You know, I really believe that was meant to be. We were too good a team to bow out. You know, they they were a good team too. I mean, they 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 could very easily won it. And, and uh, but I think the 
the good the good bad or the good bad guys won it. Put it that way. We were we were the good guys, but throughout throughout the baseball, we were the bad guys. Baseball, a carnival, and an important cause make for a great day. The Baseball Zone, in collaboration with ALS Double Play, is hosting the first annual baseball carnival, Strikeout ALS. Join their family-friendly event that'll include carnival games, food and vendors, baseball activities and competitions, helping to support an important cause, a live podcast, and entertainment. I look forward to seeing you on Saturday, September 9th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Baseball Zone, located at 1081 Bravik Place, Mississauga, Ontario. Register online at thebaseballzone.ca. Tickets will also be available at the door. All proceeds from the tickets will go to support ALS research. Let's strike out ALS. Now back to the interview. Watching the game now, do you do you watch a lot of games from around Major League Baseball or mainly just Jays? Yeah, I watch, more so Blue Jays, and then I catch you know the MLB Network every morning to watch the highlights yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask because as a former catcher, obviously a manager, is there a catcher out there playing in the bigs right now that you he's like your favorite catcher to watch? Do you have a favorite catcher to watch because the way they go about like who who is that person for you? Are there a few of them in the game? Yeah, yeah, you know what? Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm a Riamuto fan. You know, he's uh, you know, he's he's known as one of the best. He's, you know, one of the big reasons not only because he's he's really good and he's a good defender and he gets some big hits and he he plays every stinking day. You know, and and uh, uh, he's probably he's probably my my favorite. You know, Danny Jansen. You know, Danny broke into the big leagues my last year there. You know, I'm he I'm a huge fan of Danny Jansen. To be honest with you, I wish he'd play every day. You know, and, and but you know, Kirky's good too. That's you know, that's the thing. They 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 they're they're uh they're a little bit spoiled right there. And, and Danny's been a little bit injury prone lately, but I think if he played all the time, you know, he put up tremendous numbers, right? Uh, and when the, when he's in there, the team wins. That's all I can tell you. But um, you know, there's there's uh the kid out in, with the Dodgers is really good. You know, uh, the thing is, you know, you get a lot of times the the, the I'm drew a blank the, the uh. The Atlanta Braves, they got to pick him up from Oakland. Um, Sean Murphy. Murph. Yeah, Murphy, right? Yeah. You know, he's he's come over there and he fit in really well. And, and uh, you know, I can remember when, going, when I told you I was working with Anthopolis, he he told me to go to Atlanta, you know, the AAA team, watch Contreras catch, you know, because he was down in AAA and give him, give him my thoughts on that. Uh, well, I, I'm not going to tell whether I – if if – if I was positive or negative, because if he, if Alex believed me, he'd end up trading him. So I don't know. <laughs> you figure it out. No, but obviously we're not going to trade the kid if you're going to get, unless you're going to get a guy like Murphy. So, you know, there's really a lot of good ones out there that, um, uh, you know what I do hate though. I hate, I hate seeing these guys on their knee all game long. You know, I was watching, where was it? The game the other night, there was a highlight. It was Tampa, you know, Tampa Bay Rays, right? They were, they were up by three runs in the ninth inning. And uh, who came back on him? Somebody came back and tied it. Maybe it was Cleveland. Three wild pitches, but just bounce the ball. The guy catcher's on his knees, wild pitch. I don't know. You'll see a lot of them where they'll make some great plays or they'll glove it. And for some reason, it's just they say, well, it's, they get a, they get the lower pitches called better. Well, okay, well, if it balances out, I get all that. But you get me to tell me Johnny Bench, Gary Carter, Carlton Fisk, all those great Hall of Famers, right? They didn't get down on their knee, right, unless the guy wasn't on base. They had no problem getting that that low strike called. You know they cut some pretty good pitching staff. So, you know that's kind of one of those things that got hot in in analytics and they they stuck with it. But but because it's funny, I got to tell you, I got to tell you a quick story here. 
when I went to watch our AAA team in Atlanta, you know, you know, of course the, the Braves Contreras was on his knee and the other team and I'd seen a little bit of it, but I didn't realize it was everybody was doing in baseball. Right. So I called Alex and I said, gosh, these guys are on his knees, mom. And he's kind of like, well, that's what we do now. Mom. I'm going, and it's funny in that, in that particular game, there's a guy on third base and the, the, the catcher was on his knee. Couldn't, he couldn't move very far. Ball gets by and a go ahead and run scores. I'm going, okay. Well, I, I get it. If, but when there's a guy on third base, well, how about, uh, you know, anyway, I don't know what the trade-off is, but all you got to do is you lose a game one time and it, uh, you know. I don't think you're the only one that feels that way. I've heard that quite a bit from quite Have a few. You? Ex- yeah, the, the one knee thing seems to be a hot hot button topic among among catchers. So, But I want to jump yeah. back. You know, we mentioned Bob already. He might kill me for bringing, for, for bringing his name up into this. But tell me a little bit about what it was like to <laughs> – Tell me a little bit about what it was like to to interact with him. And, and if I remember correctly, you might have been the one that let it slip at a post game press conference about him uh, him retiring. Am, am I correct in saying that? I just I might have, but I tell you what he 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 uh, he blew the secret when I got the job the second time, and and I didn't. And, but the thing is, I didn't t- I didn't tell him. Uh, hey, I got this. You can't say anything. He ended up calling. He ended up calling uh, my home. And my wife answered. In the in uh, I was gone. I was in Toronto, right? I don't know. He was Bob. Bobby's good at that stuff, man. You know, he can. He should have been a detective in the police on the police force, right? But I, in, in my my wife at the time didn't didn't tell him I was up in Toronto, get you know doing a press conference, right? But he kind of he was put two and two together, and I think he that's how that's how it first got out. It wasn't like it was well, you know, it wasn't like all oh, right, everybody's all excited, Gibbons is coming back, and it's like. I'm sure there's like, oh, what are we doing? You know, people were going, that can't be true. What, what the heck were we trying to win or not? But he, uh, but Bobby is a special guy, you know, and, and uh, of course he's always got his Diet Coke. Was it Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi? Diet Coke. Every Coke. Time. Oh my God. I don't know God. if I've ever seen him walking around without one. No, no, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, a lot of time he had his dip into, you know, just like me. So, but he really is, uh, you know, I think he's done more for Canadian baseball. You know, he's he's always put that at the center of everything he does, and and uh, he he really cares about uh, cares about the game. He's just a, a good baseball guy, you know, and, and uh, very knowledgeable baseball man. And we just sit around, and you guys know, a great storyteller, right? You get it, but crying loud, you get him rambling though, man. If you have any place to go, forget it. You ain't getting there, you know. Uh, uh, so he, he's he's a special guy. One of my great friends. He's, he wasn't one of the guys, though, that said, uh, if you write a book, I want to write it. You know, he had but, a couple uh, books. I guess he just he just passed on yours. So I'll have to ask maybe, him Exactly. That. He didn't think mine would sell much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how it's doing anyway, so he, he might have been right. So last question for you, John. You know, since we have a, a former manager sitting in the chair um, across from us, Give us your outlook on this team and on this current Blue Jays team and what they need to do to really get over the hump and, and you know, bring a World Series back to Toronto. You know what? I, I you know, what? I like this team. You know, I know there's been, you know, people get get, get frustrated with it. But my thinking is, because I what I've experienced, Seattle made that great run just to get close, right? If you if you get on one of those 10, 10 out of 11 out of 14 games, you got to you got to take over the lead, man. You know, I mean, you got to you got to. Because you're not going to maintain that. It's too too hard to do that in the big league. So anyway, to answer your question, that they got too good a team, right? They, because they, they got I think they got the best pitching in the leagues in the in the starting rotation, 
and in the bullpen, you know, and, and they're, um, they're, they're just deep and that's going to benefit them in the long run. You know, they're a good defensive club. You know, the big question is, well, the offense, you know, has been kind of hit or miss, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you could say that, but you got to remember, I, I think, I think they're really good at, uh, I think they got a good idea how to manufacture when the time comes, when they need to do that. And that's going to benefit you in the play, in the playoffs because you're facing the best pitchers. You know, everybody's not going to hit home runs, but I, th I think that really the only thing that's kept them from really just exploding is, is, is uh, at times the lack of power that everybody expected, you know, they're hitting their home runs, but, you know, I think primarily, you know, you hit Vladdy Jr., you know, you know, the, you set those bars, man, high, you know, you're almost won the MVP, you know, him and Otani, everybody expects that every year, but it's, it's not that easy, but he's still driving in runs. And, um, but I picked them, I picked them in, in Atlanta, beginning of the year to play in the world series and then they can still do it. all you got to do is get in right and it, yeah it's a and i understand where they're at in the in the you know boston boston doesn't have a team to catch them. no way you know the yankees don't know i mean this isn't a boston type team you know where yeah because they they, they don't have enough pitching you know and, and the, they don't have any star power which sometimes you need up there you know um so they just got they just got to hold off seattle with with the uh, I'm not so sure the Rays, you know, with what happened to their shortstop, if that comes out in a bad way, it looks like it sounds what that does to that team either, you know. I mean, he was a big part of it. They could they could implode and come back to the pack, you know, and the Blue Jays still have some games. I wouldn't write that off. You know, of course, Houston and, and Texas are pretty good, and they're going to be going back and forth. But uh, anything could happen, but I think they're too good not to get in. And once they get in, you know, that they got the pitching to, to do it. You know what, they got they – got, you know, they got some seasoned guys on that team now with Springer leading the way. You know, they've been, they've been there. They You know, it didn't end the way they wanted to last year. But, you know, they got playoff experience. You know, um, they got a lot of good things going in. But, see, I think everybody thought, well, this is a team's guaranteed to make the World Series. Well, that's – it's never that easy. And so when – when uh, but the bottom line is just get in, and they've been in that position to do that most of the year. John, this was an absolute pleasure. We, we thank you so much for joining us, and and hopefully we'll see you around Toronto sometime soon. Hey, man, hey, I really enjoyed this. I'm glad uh, glad we got together to do this and uh, talk a little baseball and uh, reminisce about a great country up there, the Great White <laughs> North. Awesome. Thanks so much, John. I really appreciate it. All right, boys, anytime, man. That was a lot of fun, Jackson. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, you know, you can see why he's such a highly regarded person in Canadian baseball lore. Uh, obviously, his time with the Jays, uh, but he's just a really down-to-earth person. Um, for me, Matt, one thing that stuck out is just how much of a fan of the game he is still. You know, you hear from some managers, some guys who've been in the game for a long time, you know, they're off doing other things, enjoying life, just enjoying retirement, whatever it is. And uh, he stayed around the game. I think it's really cool. And uh, he's talking about all the different catchers and the one knee thing. I thought that was that was really cool to hear from him. Yeah, I think the one knee thing might spark a debate. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah and, and like you said, just so genuine. And, you know, he's exactly like you think he would be when you're watching him on TV managing. And you, and you hear him talking about his guys. You know, he talks about Anthopolis, Beeston. You know, he talks about Donaldson and Batista. You, know, that, you can really tell that he's a... a players manager um, but i i found it very interesting when i asked him about that russell martin throwing the ball off shin shin su chu's bat there what he was thinking and that i didn't know what what was going on and he and he said he didn't know what was going on either and then you know the whole 
thing that led up to the bat flip and, and, you know, the craziness of all that being in the dugout and hearing the fans go crazy. So it was great to have a firsthand account of that. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Uh, especially, you know, obviously if you're a Jays fan, especially if you were watching the team around that time, pretty cool to know that he was on the same page as you at home. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. And, and again, just such a genuine guy and we really appreciate his time. Until next time, though, uh, we'll have some more exciting guests coming up, uh, so stay tuned with us. But until then, take care. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out Canadian Baseball Network for extensive and comprehensive coverage of the latest in Canadian baseball. And The Baseball Zone, Canada's leading instructional baseball academy and training home to thousands of MLB, pro, college, and youth baseball players. 